And I walked into the dugout between innings, and I sat down next to the head coach. And he goes, he looks at me. And he says, what are you doing here? I says, oh, you really can call balls and strikes in here. Yeah. This is great. Thank- Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Punch Drunk Podcast. I'm Paul Brooks, joined always by our co-host, Joey. How's it going? I will announce that Michael and Mike Lane are both on assignment, and this show is being sponsored by DMD Wood Designs. Please contact them for some of the finest custom woodwork in the area. you got to check their products out. Fantastic. But we're going to talk in, in this uh, episode, we're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to talk a lot of baseball. Because not just from a player's perspective or a manager or any of that, we're going to talk from the umpire's perspective. Joining us on the couch in studio is the president and vice president of the Massachusetts Baseball Umpires Association and my good friends, President Dominic Damari and Vice President Mark Ruley. Welcome, guys. Well, thank you for having us. This is, this is an honor sitting on, on this couch. With, with the likes of Paul Stewart and Logan Mankins. Yeah, I'd like to uh, think it is an absolute honor. You should have yes. had them at least sign it. Sign the couch. Yeah, well. You know, that's what you should do. We'll sign, the, we'll sign the wall or something. Maybe you can sign the couch. <laughs> no, I'll sign the couch. I don't know. It's not worth anything. I'll sign I think I'm just excited about a spinning chair. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Little, little great things in well. life at 46. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk, uh, talk a little baseball. Dom, you, uh, first of all, I'm not going to let this show go any further until I congratulate you again one more time, this time in the form of the podcast. But Dominic, what people don't realize is you were just inducted into the Yawkey Baseball League Hall of Fame. Yes. Well-deserved. Almost a week ago. That's what I'm a week removed from from that honor. Yeah. It was was a surprise, to say the least. I I figured I had to have pissed off more people. And... and, um, come to find out there was one person on the committee that wanted me in so i was in no that's good congratulations we <laughs> were at you. that we were both at that dinner yeah, and yeah. uh it was uh well deserved after all these years yeah yeah it was, you know when i think back and i think back to our relationship it yeah. was quite a long time I, I started umpiring in 1994 i don't know how many years i'm not good at math so um but i know a lot has come from that and uh, a lot of relationships have been forged and it's just it's kind of an amazing ride, now, yeah. you know. So, and what else are you doing? You're at the college level too. You're. Uh, I train college umpires. Yeah. yeah. Um, along in 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 the spring with uh, with the college assignment Nick Zabelli of the CBUAO, and um, I train little league umpires along with Mark. Mark and I um, are all about training. Um, most of our business um, is the Boston Umpires Assigning Group. Yep. And um, we try to do that. From the, from the little league level all the way to the college level. So fair to say that you've done everything and seen everything from the little leaguers, the youth level, to um, Babe Ruth level, yep. uh, to Cal Ripken, Lou Gehrig, to high school, freshman, JV, varsity, to Legion, to college. That's quite a gamut. That's oh my God! I didn't every know level. What, when you say it, yeah. when you say it that way. I, I look at <clears> it, oh, wow, that's a lot, right? It's a lot of baseball and a lot of different levels. Yeah, there is, and you know what? What's common with with it all is we all need umpires. Yeah, and and that's the common theme. That's why we're here today, honestly, Paul. 
I can't speak more passionately about the fact that we are at a critical stage right now, a critical stage to where if it doesn't, if it doesn't get any better, we're going to have youth leagues without umpires. And we started seeing a lot of that now because you start seeing where they're rescheduling games uh, just to try to also get officials at these games. They're going one step further than that. They're going with <clears throat> games uncovered. Games aren't being played because yeah. there's no umpires. Now at normal levels, even you know most of the time it's a two-man system, but oftentimes, not anymore. You may find one guy doing a game. At the sub varsity level in high school, that's that's the norm as opposed to the exception. It's the norm now. Wow. What do you think the percentage is that you're down with numbers and then a reasons, some reasons why? I know, I, I have my opinion on why. Yeah. And it, it's all this bullshit from lack of accountability from yeah. leagues, allowing parents to think they have their God-given right well, to yell. you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Paul. And, and I was <clears> thinking <throat> about this a lot in the last couple of days since you invite, when you invited me on. It's 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 not only your parents. Some of it has to be uh, borne by the umpire too. Yeah. Um, umpires have have gotten um, literally entitled to uh, to the point where, and I won't say all. And I it's I'm coming from the assigners' point of it now, but they know that we need them more than they need us in, in terms of the assigning process because there's so many guys out there that are doing this that they're just drawing from the same pool of umpires and they're spreading the pool out. Sure. So it, it becomes a, even more of a problem with that along with pay, fees, um, parents, um, coaches, players. It, it goes on and on and on. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why. You know, and part of it is like our retention problem is, is that people that we try to bring in and train don't want to be yelled at anymore. Yeah, Mark brings up a great a, point. Go I ahead. think it's a different look, too. When you look at, like, a Little League program when we were kids in the 10-year-old baseball, you didn't have two patched umpires on the field. That just right. wasn't the norm. You had, like, a father maybe calling balls and strikes them behind the mound, something like that. But now you have, you know, you have your majors baseball for 10 to 12, then the 10 to 8-year-olds. You, you have an adult umpire on that field now, where in the past that was never an adult. That was a kid that was, you know, a high school senior that decided I was going to make a couple extra bucks. That's how I started. I was a high school kid, wanted yep. to make a couple extra bucks to the Little League game. Just think about how we started, Paul, when we started, yeah. when we did it. We did it We did it because it, it seemed fun at the time, you know what I mean? And it, was, yep. and it was a great form of extra income. God, I put my kids through college with baseball and umpiring money. I'm not not literally through college, but I paid for their books and a lot of the Sure, schools. some of the small yeah. pieces of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, it's a great I, – I tell kids all the time, and I talk to a lot of kids that – are starting out, I say, what I open with is, tell me a job that you could work in the summertime, that you basically could sleep until 10 o'clock in the morning and make conservatively $1,000 a week. Do you think your parents are going to give you a hard time? No, they're not. And that's, and that's what I'm talking about. If you're a hustler right now and a kid, I would say a kid 17, 18 years old, yeah. you would be more, more accountable. But that... That alone, if he works every day, you know, he's, you know, he can make $150 a day times five. And you don't even have to work weekends. Yeah. You know Especially I mean? for kids who played the game. You know, I, right. I, I got into it because I stopped playing. You know, you get to that certain age where you're like, I'm not, I'm done playing. 
but you want to be involved in the game that you had you had so much passion about just from a different angle yeah, yeah. still oh, involved the games hey, i always yeah. say to people the reason i'm not into umpiring is because i couldn't hit a curveball with an ironing board yeah so that's that's i said i i, I love the game i wanted to stay in it involved but you in could see it right you could see i the could see ball, it at that time half of it. yeah <laughs> sort of it yeah but I, I but i you know i just i wanted to stay in the game and and i did every avenue of of our craft in order to stay in the game and that's kind of why i'm still here i don't really actively umpire except you know when when i have to and you know and for the most part i have to it's not because i want to games will go uncovered if i don't jump in and, and mark doesn't jump in and do a few assignments here and there so it's tough i remember um going to the classes when i first back in uh in 1988 is when i went through to get the patch stopped playing baseball started going through the classes and i realized holy shit i didn't know that was a rule or i didn't know that rule either oh, and funny. i had been playing all the time and yeah, so yeah. you think you know the rules until you actually go to the class and you go damn i didn't know that was a rule no no it's amazing so it gives that proper training and then you realize okay the rule the rule book is you know so thick the test is uh you know is, is pretty intense and you gotta go through what 10 weeks on the yeah, course you know, training we're coming up with with alternatives now to um that's a problem because a lot of a lot of the kids today they want things like now yeah they don't want to like go 10 weeks or they don't want to commit for 10 weeks so we uh, we started or we're going to start online training to where a kid can just grab an app go through the the uh the training protocols or the training profiles or whatever they're called and then we can monitor their um um, progression yep. and they get a certification once they get a certification then we do what we have to do to add on to that and do a lot of on-field training as yeah. well that's we good to the point now if we have like two or three people come up and say hey you know i'm interested in umpiring in the past you'd say oh, our classes start in december but now you know you get two to three people you're like right. listen saturday morning what are you doing let's go meet at you know we were in high yeah, we don't have the luxury to wait anymore yeah, no more we waiting well yeah so they're going to get trained online but then you're going to bring them together for on-field training. Yeah, yes. yeah because yeah. I think that it's important to to get the basic rule sets out of the way, and you can do that on an online platform. And then going forward, um, we do the things because obviously, Paul, when you and I started, it was basically pass the rules test and then throw you on the field, yeah. right into the frying pan. We don't, you know, and we don't want that to happen because we can't afford to, not to retain these people. Right. You know what I mean? So we try to make it as easy and as accommodable as we can with, with, with some physical interaction in terms of training. And so, you know, the one thing that none of us have mentioned, which I have always felt was very important to be an official. It doesn't matter the sport baseball we're talking about now. And that's all about game management. You can know the rules inside and out. And you can be the very best at enforcing those rules. You can look good. You can dress the part. But if you don't have good game management skills, then we got problems. It's like organizing. Andrew. I mean, don't think yeah. you're just going to be the dominator out there. Yeah. Don't insert yourself into the game. You don't need to do all that stuff. Yeah. Just call the game. You got to remember, too, that we just came out as a society. We just came out of COVID. Where yeah. we were, you know, we were isolated. We were away from people. And you're talking about a sport that has everything to do with people interaction. So now you're training new people that for the last two years have been hiding in their in their houses, in their right. basement. You know how how much fun right. is that? Like all of a sudden you got two people. It's a class A studio. <laughs> it is a class A studio. Yeah. You, got, you got two different <laughs> points of view, and now you got an umpire trying to figure out 
who to listen to and how to engage both of them. And yeah. those have been taken away. Look at the NCAAs now. When we have a conversation with coaches, we actually meet at the 15-foot line. No more coming out in the field and talking. We go down to him, he comes to us, we talk, and then we separate. And and that's just where we're heading now. The people have skills, that's really important still, but now they're trying to find ways to stay away from people. You find the parents are getting out of hand now, or is it getting worse? Parents feel that they're part of the game, which is different than... I don't go there to cheer for little Jimmy now. I go there to cheer against a team, which is different. Like, if my son hit a base hit, that's great. And my son got thrown out at second. Well, how did he get thrown out? It wasn't his fault. He obviously was in there. Yeah. That umpire made the wrong call. And, and that's the difference in cheering on the, the fact that the kid just made a really great play. We don't have that anymore. Like, when the opposing shortstop makes a stab into something into the outfield, it's no, oh, my God, what a great play that was. It's... Oh, he didn't hit it hard enough. It's just, it's not looked upon You know, same. a lot of a lot of what I've seen, too, is it's changed over the years, Paul. As I say, you know, I'll mention it again. It was not like that when we when we umpired. But I, I feel like some of the parents now, they think because that umpire is getting paid a fee, that that gives them the right to voice their opinions negatively, never positively, yeah. but always negatively. And that's a shame, and, and and that's a shame because these people, for the most part, are the same volunteers as the parents that are doing the field work at the beginning of the game. Those are all volunteer guys. Yeah, the umpire is getting a fee, but the umpire has to travel 30 or 40 miles in his car in order to get to that game. And, and it's just it's a sad state of affairs today, and it's gotten worse. And like I said, he was this umpire. It's not his full-time job. No. no. Uh, he's already gone through his work day. But he's been trained and understands the rules yeah. way more than any parent That's who right. just feels as though they have the they have the right to just start yelling and screaming. Yeah, they need to understand better about this. Joey, you played when you played. wasn't a lot of arguments. You 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 basically played as a quiet player. Mm -hmm. Your brother, on the other hand, was a little, was a little bit, but he also showed a lot of respect towards it. Maybe it's because I was an umpire. I don't yeah. know. Well, I think that has a lot to do with it. If you come from a times family, have changed. Yeah, they have. They definitely. Have. They have a, it's it's almost to the point now we uh, it's it's more normal to go to a baseball game at some point during the game and get yelled at by somebody, you know. Uh, the fact that what what we don't train with is how to handle that situation. And, well, you know, to my well, point, you know, like Don, let me cut you off for yeah. a second, only because I always think about this moment where if you're a youth umpire at a field and yep. you throw out a coach, you decide that he's crossed the line and now I send him home. Well, now he goes home, right? And there's someone waiting for him at home. How'd your game go today, honey? Well, it didn't go so well. I got sent home. Well, now the next morning that person goes to yoga class, and now we're having a conversation with her best friends about the father, and there's more to it. Right. So umpires have to have a certain bit of control, knowing that if I do this action, it's really going to impact this guy's life. And he's, he's not thinking about that. He's got the blinders on, and all he's focused on is just, I just want to yell because I'm mad about that call. But umpires have to have the control to say, "Look, I got to walk this we guy down." We don't have the yellow card in baseball. Yeah, we're doing. Well, see, we're I look at that, to keep you here. I look at that and I go, "Okay, what are you teaching your players at the youth level? You're th they see everything you're doing as a coach." You know what, though, I got to stop you there because I don't think it's coming necessarily from the coach. I'm, I think it's coming from like those those ejection videos on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. You know yes, what I mean? Yeah. That the kids are watching and they yeah. go, "Wow, this is okay to do." 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But does the coach allow that? Well, yeah, that's that's where the parent part of it comes in. And that's a little bit of an issue. He thinks it's part of the game, and it yeah. is part of the game at the major league level, not at youth baseball. Not at youth baseball. <laughs> yeah. Not even all the way up to high school. It's no. not. It's, it's not. not. No, and then it gives the kids an excuse as to it wasn't the fact that they may have had five errors during the game. It, it just gives them a, a, a way to broom it off to the umpire as him being the problem. When no. Well, how many times you umpired? How many times did the coach come out and say you cost me that game? And you look at him and say, "Nah, the the left fielder dropping the ball with the bases loaded with two outs—that kind of screwed you tonight, coach." Yeah, <laughs> I never was that specific. <laughs> I just said if you rehash this entire right. seven or nine inning game, you probably realize I did not cost you this yeah. game. I, I mean, you got plenty of ease. Right? You got plenty of ease in the book right now, coach. You know what? <laughs> you know? When, it, when it's all said and done, Paul. You know, when you go home, and I did it as I was a coach at one point, and and that's and that's the worst thing that can happen having an umpire as a coach because that's like a doctor-lawyer type of thing. Yeah. You can't be both. You have to be either a coach or right. an umpire. But some coaches decide that they want to go to class and learn the rules so they can be that lawyer that knows that one rule <laughs> that can trip up somebody or an umpire, maybe a, a not-as-informed umpire, which there are many. You know what I mean? So it's – I don't even know where I was going with that. But even in even in game management – you know when you're when you're talking in game, and I would suggest because I've had this happen. I was you know an umpire for years down in the Cape Cod Baseball League, and and we had those arguments down there. And there were times when you realize maybe I did blow that call. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to admit to it. You just say, Coach, I, I I can't change the call, but I owe it to you to bear down, and I will be better. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of times, Coach, go, well, shit, I I expected a little bit more fight back but you know what okay we're good yeah and then that's it because you know as an umpire uh, if you screw up a call and make a wrong call nobody had the three thousand people that may be there or may not be there don't yeah. have to tell you that you already know yeah we really care about what we do we don't want to consciously make a bad call yeah. or a wrong call um it just happens you know at the moment we had it the other, a couple of weeks ago i was down at, at a university down in rhode island i came up and I, I banged a kid on a pitch that's probably a little bit in and uh, the kid looks at me. That was it. I go, you got to walk away. Because I, I, he knew. Mm-hmm. He walks away. And the coach goes, Mark, did you miss that? And I'm like, I missed that, coach. And he goes, I got you. Yeah. And that was okay. And we moved on. Because it was part of the game. It's well, part kind of, of the like, management throw, of that. Yeah. Throw it there again. That's what I used to say. Yeah. You know, was that? Now, can you imagine if you said, no, that was there. That was yeah. there. No, I got that. No, you know, throw it there again. I won't miss it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Listen, at the end yeah. of the day, I'm not getting paid like a major league umpire. Right. You know, and, and I'm human. I'm going to make a miss. I missed that pitch, coach. Okay, don't do it again. I won't. And that's part of the reason that we took the attitude that we need to train the umpires prior to them getting on the field as opposed to just throwing them on the field into the frying pan, so to speak. Yeah, what was your – we were talking about how coaches will always start arguments or players even. What was your probably the most hostile – uh, argument you had with a player coach. Well, I can wait a minute, wait a minute. No, <laughs> let Mark go first on this because I know what you're going to come up with. But. Um, <clears throat> I'll take one out of Florida, and I tell the story when I'm teaching the classes. We were doing the game up at Pensacola, and I had a, a play at the plate, and it caught it out safe. I don't even remember. And I remember the old guy coming out and going, uh, you know, what would you have there? And I said, you know, I had this. The ball came in, tag happened. I caught it this way. And the guy looks at me and goes, oh, you got a northern accent. I go, yeah, I do. I'm from Boston, you know, Boston area. He goes, ah. He goes, so first time down here? I go, no. You know, like we're totally not talking about the play. <laughs> and he goes, you know, sometimes down here you, you got to ask for help. And I go, well, I'm not going for help. I was five feet from the car. I saw this. And he goes, no, I asked for help. I said, I'm not going for help, coach. I go, don't ask me to go for help again. I'm going to run you. He goes, okay. 
He goes, you know, just sometimes the water down here and the sun comes down and it hits sprays off the water and gets right in your eye. So maybe you should go for help on that call. And I said, oh, come on. And I ran him. And the guy, this little old man, flips his hat backwards. And I think I blushed for maybe a week after some of the things that he called me. I was 23 years old. And I was like, oh, my God, what just happened? And um, I'll never forget that one. That was a good one. <sighs> There's many. There's yeah. many over, over the span of the years. But the one I distinctly remember was like uh, a playoff game in the YBL. And it was an intense, very in the Yankee Baseball League. Yeah, yeah. It was it, honestly, and and it was it was a very intense playoff game, which most were back then. Yep. And um, the game was over. There was a lot of close calls, and you know we were getting dressed. And back then, you get dressed by your car, you know, discreetly, and you tried not to, you know, make notice of yourself. But this player came over to my car and started to berate me at my car, and I looked up at him. And I go. Aren't you aren't you so and so's kid? And he goes, yeah. He goes, how do you know that? I go, well, I, I worked for the police department back when I was there, and I actually knew a lot of the cops. This was the son of a cop. And he goes, um, you know, you're in my locker room. I just appreciate you just leaving. And he wouldn't. And I, and I stood up and I said, if you don't leave, things are gonna happen that are, you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna like, and I'm sure your father's not gonna like. And he goes, what's that? I go, well, number one, you're going to get arrested. And number two, um, you're going to have to explain to your father, who I know very well, how you ended up getting arrested. And when he finds out that you were braiding an umpire, he probably won't be too happy. So we got him to go away and all of that, and that was that was good. So, you know, and and there's been ejections. You know, yeah. sometimes we get... Um, we get out of control, players get out of control, and you have to you have to somehow get the situation into into control. So a lot of people have to sometimes go away, and um, that's and they knew that I, I had no tolerance, I had no patience either. So you were a member of the uh, infamous stormtroopers. Oh yes, and um, so just a little bit of lead in on this. For those who are watching who may not be from Massachusetts, in the Northeast baseball, some of the best, longest amateur baseball leagues have been around. Cape Cod Baseball League is the number one in the country. Then internally in the city, you've got the Boston Park League and the Yawkey Baseball League. Don't forget the inner city. And the inner city league. That's what I'm saying. It's just another league. Yeah. But these are all competitive leagues. Very competitive. Extremely yeah. competitive. And these these leagues have brought also fame to a lot of guys who have made it. Yes. Richie Hill was one. Richie, right? I, I, so, Richie, Richie Hill in high school had no idea where the ball was going. I umpired Richie yeah. Hill when it was at Milton. So, um, I mean, the, these leagues are extremely competitive. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it does take a combination of players, managers, and game officials to make that league what it is. That's right. And for years, it had been known as a tough league, and then the competition level had to elevate everything. From the managers, they had to get better, and from the umpires, they had to get better. So credit the leagues on that. Yeah, uh, that's why I say a lot of <clears> it doesn't have necessarily lie with, with, with the players and coaches. Right. We, have, we have accountability as umpires as well. Absolutely, because you also start weeding out the guys. And let's face it, we know there's guys who work, go, you're just not ready for this. No. You're just not ready for this, and you need a little bit more development. So you know what? Going back to your earlier comment about kids wanted instantly, 
they're not going to get certain leagues. They've got to work their way up to it. I can remember when I first started um, giving Peter Williams, who was the assigner back then, yeah. a call begging him, begging him, please just give me one chance. And, and to his credit, he put me in, in one game, and I, and I you know, thank God I never looked back. You know, I, I was good enough. I never, I played organized baseball for a while, but like I said, um, I loved the game, so I wasn't really that good. And uh, I said, "How can I stay in this game and, and do what?" I, so I said, "You know, somebody suggested to me. A friend of mine suggested that uh, why don't you try umpire? And he was a Park League Hall of Famer um, and an umpire back years back. Yeah. And, and and he started me on this journey. And I actually did just a short story. Sent him a picture of my Hall of Fame plaque, and I and I put it in an envelope. I said, "Thank you." That if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gotten this. And uh, that's kind of like the relationships that go back a long way. And you remember, and you never forget them. Certainly also helps when you work with guys who have also made it. Yes. You know, I'm yeah. thinking the, the Joe Driscoll's, uh, the Shorty Longs, Curly, guys who made it. Curly Clemens. Curly Clemens. Th those guys have made it. Yeah. And when you work with them and you get little bits and pieces, it's okay for umpires to be evaluated and critiqued a little bit even after a game. I loved oh, post I love sitting around post game a couple of beers and just talking and say the best. and listening to those guys. Shorty and I worked Bobby Long <clears throat> well known and he knows almost everybody in the major leagues. And he worked in the major leagues. Danny Brazell now is currently in the major leagues. Yep. Those guys when when you start talking to me go, you know what? Your angle could have gotten better. You could have done this. Listen to it. Danny, it's okay. Danny, it's going to make you better. Danny oh, Mizell yeah. was the biggest pain in the ass in the park. Yeah. He was a catcher, and you know he had every angle figured out already. And I said, look, why don't you just catch and let me do my job? And now he's in, now he's in the major leagues. Right? We had a guy uh, last year. I was doing a game. I, was, I think it was a Cranberry League game. And um, I got a There's another league I failed to mention. Yeah, yeah. Cranberry League. I got a call to go do a game, uh, Fall League, up in Harvard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll come up and see some pictures. You tell he's enough from Harvard. And he, and he goes, um, he goes, well, he goes, can I come with you? I'm like, sure, but be aware that it's it's fast baseball. I go, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So we get out there, and I'm calling the dish. And three innings comes in. He comes down and says hi. And I'm like, hey, how's it going out there? He goes, i just be honest with you. I haven't seen the ball leave the pitcher's hand, but I hear I hit the glove. I'm not ready for this. And I said, that's fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's, I, you remember that. You remember when you hit your first um, mid 90 yeah. fastball. And I, I was down, you know, I can just remember when Richie Hill was pitching for Milton High School. All you heard was, yeah. You're like, hi, where's catch the you? ball? Hi, it looks good. <laughs> I, had no, I, I had no idea where the ball was. It's in the catcher's glove. It, it brings me when I was uh, one of my, I don't know, second games down the Cape League. I tell my boys this. I had Daniel Bard when he was down there. And so I talked to the kid. Now, for those who don't know the Cape Cod Baseball League, I'm telling you guys something you already know, but they're not all on the same team. They 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 went to different colleges. So I had a catcher who was from Georgia and then Daniel Bard from North Carolina. And when he comes in the game, I didn't know. And the catcher goes, blue. He's got fast, faster, and faster. <laughs> I go great. He goes. I just don't know where it's going. I go. Holy shit! Just catch it, please. I can. I can relate to that. So I went down. That first pitch came in. It was poof. And yeah. I'm like, wow. Uh, yep. I didn't see the catcher move his glove. Strike. It sounded like a strike. <laughs> that was. Uh, I turned around and saw all the guys at the radar guns. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. No. So, I, I know. I know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It, it is good. Now we've got to a point where. Um, so many discussions on this, and we're going to get a lot of comments, and I think people, 
again, this is baseball from the umpire's perspective. I, I still don't understand what people think gives them the right to shit all over the umpires and make their comments. Imagine, I've told a lot of people this, imagine if an umpire was able to go to a, a third base coach. That was the shittiest move, waving that guy in. Are you kidding me? How stupid can you be? Can I tell you what I did? One Stuff time? like that. I actually, Ridiculous. I actually, between innings one time, I think it was when I first started and I didn't know any better. I uh, was at Quincy and I, I walked into the dugout between innings and I sat down next to the head coach. And he, go, he looks at me and says, what are you doing here? I says, oh, you really can call balls and strikes from here. Yeah. This is great. Exactly. <laughs> you got the right view. I said, yeah. you got the right view. <laughs> I mean, when you start looking at you going go to a player, you know, you should have been in front of that ball. You made an yeah. error. That's a terrible error. Now you just extended the game. You know, that's on you. Imagine if you started doing that. We don't that. want to do that. That'd be fantastic. No, but but <laughs> see, the thing is, is you imagine from a player, manager, how many things, you probably on average will face in a nine-inning game about 420 to 440 baseballs, right, pitching? Yeah. Out of that, how many are you really going to screw up? I would say five. How many will a player boot it? Make an error. Yeah. Bad pitch. Missed the zone. Held it upstairs. You know, he had a sinking curveball that hung high, and the kid roped it. It's amazing that <laughs> the way you put that, and it's true. Yeah. It's so true. I, you know, when I, you know there are guys that have probably missed more than five during the course well, of the game. But Think about the playing. Like, you go from a college game in the morning, you do something, and then yep. you go to a little league field. Right. And now you call an obstruction on a kid, and the coach wants to come out and argue with you. And you're like, you're going to argue with me about obstruction. Little do you know, I taught 120 umpires this past weekend about this call. But go ahead. Tell me what your opinions of the obstruction yeah. call was, because you know better. <laughs> Story with you, when I played Little League, and one, I don't want to expose the name, but one dad, you were, were, you were like a coach yeah. at the time for me, like just helping out and stuff. And one coach was arguing with the umpire on a call. I forget what it was, but then you had to step in and be like, you don't know what you're talking about, and you had, a, and then he was arguing with you about how you knew the game. He's like, you don't know the game. And you're like, I don't know. The I, game. I I told I taught the I, game. And I, I told him and I told the umpire. I said the worst thing about this umpire having to listen to you is that you don't know the rule. Right. And you're arguing like you do know the rule. Right. And the umpire looked at me. He goes, you know, he is right because he is an umpire and he does know the rules. Exactly. But I I just it. it I despise when people just argue for the sake of arguing yeah. to make themselves look good. We had that Little League. The Little League oh World Series had that. When the kid made the play at second base, the umpire does. The MLB umpire goes to do the Little League game, right? They put him at second base. He bangs the kid out. And the coach comes out. And the first thing out of his mouth was, I, I didn't even see the play, but I just wanted to argue with the MLB umpire. Why? <laughs> what are like, you doing? Like that's... <laughs> Like that's like a bad. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, whatever. You know? So let's 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 talk a little bit about accountability because um, something's got to get done. Something serious has to get done to get the young umpires back in uh, and get them to develop. Yes, there's a lot of guys who have left. I left for multiple reasons. One, my knee. Secondly, yeah. I, I wear glasses, and it's a little tough to start working. You had a family, right? <laughs> Yeah, kids, kids can't somehow put that into perspective. You know? So it's kind of the point where uh, are leagues held accountable? How often are leagues held accountable for their managers or parents? Well, I, I, I will say this. 
most of the, the leagues that I represent uh, that are my clients, for the most part, they do realize that there is a problem and they have made their um, coaches and parents accountable, you know, with other, with, but, you know, it doesn't go far enough. So for other programs throughout the country who are watching this, and I want you to get a little bit closer, I want to make sure everybody hears this, is how do you do that? So there's, there's a lot of states that have run through, we're going to get into the bill shortly, but without going to any state legislative branch to enforce a law, how have things been done to curb this nonsense with parents and or coaches? Now, I give a little bit of leniency, not a lot, but I could take it a little bit more from a coach and a manager than I could from a parent. Yeah. So it's part of the game. It is. It's game. a little bit part of the game. That's it is. Game. It is. A part of the game is 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 it's okay. And I tell coaches this. We talk to coaches all the time. A part of the game is having the coaches be trained in how to argue. Right. Believe it or not. Yeah. Some, some of that. Some of that is not being trained. So I talk to coaches all the time at you know at youth leagues on the respectful way to argue with an umpire if you don't think a call is right. It's not to berate him. It's not to call him, tell him how much he sucked. It's basically just to say, you know, this is what I saw from where I was standing. Did you have something different? And let the umpire or, or, the, or any sport official just explain what they saw. And if they do it in a respectful manner, most times it'll solve itself. Not the parent from 180 feet away yelling at me that Johnny was safe at second base when I'm 10 feet from the play and saw the tag on the back, and they didn't see the tag. You know, you know how it goes. You steal a second, the guy gets gets tagged. All they're looking at is the guy going into second base. They're not watching the entire play by the the glove tagging him on the back before he gets to the base. All they see is the guy standing or holding second base. You know what I mean? So, how much training do you do with the umpires about that? About how to argue? Uh, with the umpires? Yeah. It's constant. We constantly tell them to engage. If if a co if a coach comes to you respectfully and engages you in a respectful manner, then give them an show answer. them the respect. Yeah, I think it is too. Like nowadays, when we do the umpire classes, when the first thing we would talk about calling balls and strikes, yeah. that's not the first thing anymore. The first question I get every year: How do I handle the fan that yells at me? It's the first question. It's no longer about, you know, was that obstruction or interference? Is that this or that? No. It's what do I do when the fans start yelling at me? And that's a sad state for me. I look at that and I'm like, that's not okay. That's not what that's it's wrong. about. Right. That's not what it's about. And you know, because you, you, as an umpire, there's a lot of conversations that happen on the field that they're not privy to. Like when they go off for a pitching change and the coach is standing on the mound. Yeah. He's not out there telling him, asking him what he had for breakfast. He's waiting for you to come out to ask about that pitch that you're calling at the knee. Is that as low as you're going to go today? You know, he wants that conversation to happen. And the fans don't know that happened. And, and he those addressed questions it. can be answered as long as it's brought to forth in a respectful manner. Yep. I, I don't tell I don't tell umpires not to explain calls. I tell them all the time. If they come at you, listen to them. And most times, what you have to do is you have to be a listener and not a talker. Yep. So listen to what their bit bitch is, <clears throat> and then go on and give them an explanation. After that, we can't prolong that discussion anymore. Then he has to decide whether or not he wants to stay in the contest anymore. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and disagreements now where you can have that coach come out and have that conversation, and you can say, all right, coach, head back to your dugout. I'm going to beat with my partner. We're going to give you the best thing we saw on that, and from there, we're moving on. Yeah. And okay. We're yeah. not coming back out again. You we're not talking anymore yeah. after this. Though. So we talked before we went on the air, and we talked about there are some officials, again, going back to the pro level, people watch this. 
and people will comment that they only know the bad umpires. <clears throat> and I would challenge anybody. If I said to you, who was the worst Major League Baseball umpire right now? They're going to all come in. Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez. They'll all come in. And, and so what? You know, but... Name. But then I say, okay, give me three of them. And they may name three. But give me the three best umpires, and they're going to struggle. Because they're always going to look for the bad side of, of officiating. Yep, yep. They never say, and even this is true with announcers, too. Like, I can't oh, yeah. tell you when a ball is just on the line. And the, some of the worst things that ever happened is that box that they always show. Yeah, we're basing it off that. <clears throat> oh, my God, that was low. That, that was low. And that's from the, the camera. Down the middle. And it's really not from dead center. No, it isn't. You know, it's, it's more at an angle. If it was dead center, you'd see the back of the pitcher's head the whole And if they ever did call the exact zone, the batters would be <laughs> completely up. I think they had a problem with time restraints. Now, you know, they want to speed the game up. Can you imagine if you wanted to call the strike zone after yeah. the zone? Yeah. You'd be there for three or four And those hours. are professional umpires. Remember, we're talking about a kid that's doing a, a 10 u game today. <laughs> you, you know, know this, he might this, miss a pitch. There's not times <laughs> that I don't stand there myself and say, Jesus, where the hell was that? You know what I mean? But then I move on. Yeah. You know what I mean? You move on. Yeah, I yes. move on. It's a long game. It is. It's just like people don't want to move on. I find it absolutely disgraceful. And I umpired for 30 years, 31 years maybe. But I find it disgraceful that people will argue and then even the next inning, still arguing, still chirping from the stands. And then if you, and I've always, I only had one in 30 years of umpiring where I ever, ever, was engaged in a conversation with a fan. I always try to say, I'm not listening to you. You yeah. people are here for nothing. I tell my son all the time. My son is is, <clears throat> is at the NCAA level, Division Three, and he's going. He's in. A, he's at a regional this weekend. But I tell him all the time, you can ruin a career by engaging with a fan. Yeah, a, a career can be gone as as quick as as you made it. Uh, and not to mention that everybody nowadays. Has their oh, cell phone, there you we, go. Yeah. video recording. They're doing everything, yeah. you know, and this, that's different because we didn't have that back when we started. And you know me, Paul. I had a very hard time not engaging. You, you would have been, you would have been one of the ones video recorded. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no question. <laughs> we crack jokes all the time and tell the new guys don't end up on a YouTube video. Yeah. that's your goal when you're on the field. Don't end up on a YouTube video. Yeah. So let's talk about this. It just happened. Uh, what, last week now, the introduction of the bill? Last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. And I want to thank Rob Consalvo. Uh, I believe he was the underwriter of this. Yes, yes. he was. Yeah. Rob Consalvo out of the 14th uh, District, Suffolk County. This is fantastic. This is House Bill number 1427. It's an act relative to the assault and aggravated harassment of sports officials. It is about time. You know, some and people it, think that it's going too far, though. <sighs> Can you imagine that? That is true. <laughs> well, you know what? Those people, I would challenge, have they been an umpire? Have they uh, been on the field? They're our brothers. Some of our brothers think it's gone yeah. too far. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't want to mention any names because it's, it's not, it's not, it would just cause a I whole thing. But. And I don't think it's the official. I think it's the administrators that have the officials that they are signing. Those yeah. are the guys that are worried about putting somebody in jail or whatever. Just, that official who has an experience where he's he's threatened and he feels like, I don't know if I'm getting off this field or, or this rink today, I think that, that official wants protection. But yeah. I think the guy that assigns him wants to cover his back pocket listen, and make sure he's still getting assigned fees. You know, as, as president of the Mass Baseball Umpires Association, I don't want to see any parent or any coach or any player thrown in jail. But 
I believe that this bill only serves as a deterrent for that kind of behavior and know that it's up to a judge to decide what the penalty is. Yeah, we should talk about what the bill actually was. Well, yeah, because I'm reading through it right now. But here's the thing. There has already been people who have served prison time for a physical assault on officials. So here's the difference. Here's here's a strange thing about it, and I'll I'll let Mark go on, but... Police have no arrestable powers if if an official is assaulted. In this state right now, as as the law is written, if you assault an official and it's not witnessed by a local law enforcement officer, he can't be charged, he can't be arrested, which is unbelievable. And this goes beyond just sports officials and umpires. When we were at the hearing at the Statehouse, there were tea workers, EMTs, nurses, all basically with the same issue, being attacked, being um, being spit on, some cases nurses stabbed. Um, this is not just a problem, and, and, and they have the same problem as we do in terms of retention. They can't get people to sign on as nurses or T-drivers or T-bus riders. It's got to stop. It's got to stop somewhere. And that's why I'm so passionate yeah. about this right now, because honestly, it's just got to stop. What this bill helps, too, is if I went to Dunkin' Donuts this morning and I got out of my car and walked across the parking lot yeah. and started throttling some guy, just stop beating at him. It's an assault charge. Yep. If I'm stuck somewhere as an official inside of a gated area where I cannot leave by my own choice and a fan comes on and hits me, it's still simple assault. And, and there has to be a differential in the two. That that person, that sports official who is actually stuck there, he can't leave. He's he can't decide pri- in the fifth. You know, I've had enough of this. I'm going home, right? He has to stay there to finish this game, and he feels that upon him that it's his job to finish that game. Well, he's not – it's not okay for him to sit there and you to berate him for three innings because right. that's what so you have the ability Some to do. will claim First Amendment rights in terms of freedom of speech. These are all private events. Correct. A baseball game is a private event. You were invited to this. You didn't come on your own volition. So to have an umpire or any kind of sports official, no matter where, what sport, to be to take that kind of abuse is not okay. Even if you weren't invited, you voluntarily right. yourself right. attended the event. Do you remember the back of the ticket of a Bruins game? You said you got hit by a oh, yeah. It's yeah. on you, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. This bill <clears throat> in... Uh, Section B that I'm reading, that there's two words that are very key in this, willfully and maliciously. Yeah. Those are two key words in this bill. There's actually more key words. I think the biggest thing that that bill does, 1427, it goes after the verbal aspect. So before we even get to the point of a physical effect, if I stand up and I go, man, this umpire, he sucks. The guy next to him goes, yeah, you know what? You're right. You do suck. And now the guy next to him does it. It's like an an avalanche after Mm -hmm. that. If you're able to say, as a reasonable person doing a job, that I feel like I'm being threatened, and we've all had moments as officials where we finished games, got to our car, drove down the street to change. This is stopping that. If you stop the verbal aspect before it gets to the point where it's going to become a physical alteration, I think that's a win. I think if you can put up a sign on the backstop that says, listen, the guy working this is covered under H1427, which means that if you do something to him and put him into a position where he feels threatened, you're at risk of being arrested for harassment the, of a sports official. The fact that this bill is is uh, starting to gain some recognition right now, Mark, is this because leagues have not held fans accountable? 
they, the MIAA states uh, high school games that you're supposed to have an administrator. Administrator of the game. Yeah. If you go to a game up at, um, I'm just going to name a school off the top of my head, like a Hingham, where it has five fields. How can one administrator be at five fields at the same time? So if, if that administrator or athletic director assigns five people, it must be at each of those games. No. Why aren't they doing that? Because schools don't have the budget money to go pay for an officer to be at those things. And I understand that. If you go to a basketball game, that's an easier step. I have one official that can watch a basketball court. But when it comes spring activities where you have off-site activities, like a hockey game, how many high schools have a hockey rink in the backyard? Not many. So that's an off-site facility, right? So now the off-site facility is going to pay for an officer to watch the crowd. They're not going to pay that money. Something has to be done where I am accountable for the actions of the fans now. So now if I do get in trouble, it's on me. <laughs> He's thinking about that. He's thinking no, about I just uh, I don't think, you know, I, I tend to take the other route and say, I don't care if that school doesn't have a budget resource or doesn't have enough. If you are the high school going to assign five games at five different fields, you must. Otherwise, don't assign five games at one time. Yeah, you see, that's not going to happen because people pay their taxes, and they know that and if I have to fees. pay for the, the sports, if I have to pay for that police officer's overtime, that's going to cost money, and that's going to be taken away from the program. Whether it be maybe you dump your freshman program now because you can't put an official there. Mm -hmm. Now, is it, is it fair to the freshman player who's not good enough to play JV, but now he can't have his game because there's no one to pay for the cop? It, it's, it's it just keeps rolling down that road. You no, know, we, we we are constantly thinking out of the box, Paul. To um, to figure out that that happy sweet spot or medium to where we can retain officials without you know without um, putting a, an extra stress burden on them. You know what I mean? Because there is there's a certain amount. I mean we you know we have young kids that are starting out that are literally hyperventilating like I used to during a championship game just to do their first game because they're afraid of what they what they're gonna. What they're gonna, gonna encounter during that, that contest or whatever the case may be, you know. So I think one of the other things too, like you were saying, if you look at like one of the smaller towns and you're already charging the family two hundred dollars for their son to play little league baseball, so now you're gonna have to say, well, we need to pay for a, a cop to be here. Who's gonna pay for that? Well, it's gonna get more into the addition of now it's not two hundred dollars for his son to play. Now it's three hundred dollars. But do they have police? They don't have police presence at youth games. They're just at no. high school. You're absolutely right? correct. Yeah. But should they? Like I guess that's the next step. If, if well, we my my take it. mark on that is if you if you feel as though they should need a police, then first start with why aren't they putting a school administrator at those games? Yeah, it'd be a little bit less than a cop. So, you know, have your teachers go or. You do have somebody. unions, though. Like, as, as somebody that works as an educator in the fifth grade, I, we deal with, like, you know, if I'm here for more than this amount of time, I have to get paid double time. And, you know, like, schools don't have the budget for that. They're, what about the police? Hell, that's even deal. better. They get paid overtime, too, right? Yeah. But who's going to... At a higher rate. But again, so if you're paying money here, you got to take it from here, which means that maybe we don't have enough helmets now for kids. But you also said that the police, can uh, they don't have arrestable offenses here? Well, no. If they unless win, there's... No, unless, they witness, unless they witness it. They unless. are a deterrent. They're just standing there. I'm a deterrent. No more than a school administrator would be. Well, less no more than school have, administrator. The, the administrator doesn't have police powers. It's kind of like that guy at the parking gates that's telling you you can't park there. And you yeah. park there, what's he going to do? Well, I think something has to get done. I mean, this first of all, the bill uh, is going to codify protections for sports officials against the physical assault. How many, how many officials have been physically assaulted? Let's say in the last five years, do you know of officials that have been I physically? That, I, I don't know the, sti the statistics on that. I just don't. 
but I, I can tell you that just being just being an assigner and you get maybe a call a week yeah. on something yeah. that's happened. Feel as though they've been threatened. Well, let's look at that issue that just happened down in Florida where the gentleman walked onto the field and punched the umpire. The yeah. 72-year-old veteran umpire, by the way, he that was his third time doing an action against an official. Third offense. So one and two were, right, don't worry about it. Now the third time he does it, maybe something happens. Who knows? This bill is trying to get away from the first one. And just and just so you know, Paul, just, just based on, that's one bill. There are uh, uh, three or four different types of bills that are currently being considered um, that address this issue here with sports officials. And um, you know what we're trying to do is 1427 is the one that we we introduced. But you know to have a bipartisan type of um, um, solution yeah. to this problem. And, and let me just say this: it is bipartisan. There's no Republican. There's no Democrat. It's all for the idea of this behavior has to stop. I think it's funny because when you're stepped away from the issue, if you're not at that field and you ask somebody, hey, do you think it's okay for you to verbally or physically assault an umpire? They're going to be like, no, that's not okay. But when they're at that game and those blinders are on and they see red, they're the guy that stands up and goes, oh, what was that? That's because half the time it was their little kid who struck out on a call or was out at second base stealing. We're hoping that that bill, though, because when you're stepping away and you look at that logically, you're like, it's the right thing to do, right? We should be protecting people. People are going to be in that issue. Honestly, Mark, I look at this bill and I look and go, and even to my fellow brother umpires, it's a start. It's a start in the right direction. It may not get passed exactly like this. It may be amended six other times before it gets done. That's going to happen. Right. So it's a start that has to take place. You just start with the most strict violations, strict offenses. Boom. Get them right away. Can I just say? And let them get amended. Can I just say one other thing, too? Um, Mark and I are just two guys, right? We're just two guys that started on a cause. And Mark, to his credit, started it, and you know I kind of hopped on it because I felt it was important. But there are thousands and thousands of, of officials out there, and may not be in Massachusetts. You tell me it's across the country and, and across the world, yeah. right? That we all got to band together and say this is not right. And I don't care what country you're from or, 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 or what state you're from. This is not acceptable behavior. Twenty-two states in the country have this have a, a bill similar to this on the books right now. Correct. So there's no reason why we can't get it done. I, I start this by saying that I wasn't when I got excited for this bill. The thing that excited me the most didn't even come a story from an umpire. It actually came from a soccer official. We um, I have a friend of mine who, who had some issues growing up and made him dabbled into some illegal drugs when he was younger and um, a way for him to come out of rehab and to get a job was as a sports official doing soccer games. He did three games in a day, you know, 16U, 14U and a 9U game. At the end of the 9U game during it, he made a call whether it be, I don't know if it was a slide tackle and they just started berating him. Just went after this poor kid. Just out of rehab, so he gets home so now he's thinking he's worthless. He was told that he was awful. He steps back into the drugs and now he's back into rehab. Did that guy think about that when he decided to call that kid useless? And that, to me, that's the thing that aggravated me the most. It wasn't an umpire. It was a soccer official. So I know it's not just baseball. As oh, I yeah. say, he has a baseball guy. 
but I know it's not just me. And this represents not just baseball. This is everything. everything. And it if should be. If you are actively working as a sports official doing something that you're being paid to do, whether not even being paid, if you're volunteering your time as a sports official working, we want to protect you. We want to say, you know what? We got your back. And, and I think that's a good thing for us to do as a society. Yeah, I have to say one thing. This bill will definitely protect and stop fans or anybody from doing something in the first place. But obviously we don't want people going to jail for no, what they did. No. But in the end, that's their fault. Yeah. If they do go to jail, that's their fault in the end. Do you think sitting down as a fan and looking down and the first thing I see is on my backstop saying, look, the sports officials working here are protected under the law. <clears throat> if you harass mm-hmm. that sports official, you can be held liable for your actions. And, uh, and, yeah. and the Whoa. penalties in that bill are basically guidelines for judges across the state to, to, to say, if, this is, if, if a guy is a perpetual offender, then obviously you're going to go to the max of the penalties. Mm. But, you know, obviously the, the occasional parent that spouts off, uh, we don't want to see them go to jail. But you know what? But they have to understand that there are there are yeah. ramifications in for high, actions. And high schools have done their part. Like if you eject a coach now, that coach has to go to anger management. You know. But if a fan has to get removed, nothing happens to the fan. Oh, don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Come back tomorrow. So what do you think they're going to do when they come back tomorrow? Do you think it's going to be, oh, I learned my lesson yeah. by being told I can't do it. You Sometimes know, you slap on the wrist. Sometimes if you get hit in the wallet, sometimes. <laughs> That's a little, that can be impactful. All of a be, yeah. Again, now you got to go to yoga class tomorrow morning and explain <laughs> why you got to the explain, to ex- But explain that to your spouse or your better right. half and oh, say, yeah. I just I lost a case. I got fined $1,000. Why? Because I act like an asshole at a, hey, honey, at a youth game. Doing? Can you come bail At a youth out? game. That's, or at a high school game. Know, it doesn't matter. I know That's in my house that wouldn't go over. No. Nobody's house it would. But the bill is there. I mean, let's face it. This is just not automatic. Everybody gets thrown in jail. They're, no. they're going to have the right to due process anyways, but it's a guideline to where they're going to go. These people need to know this. I would also love to be able to see mandatory that signs have to be placed at every baseball field throughout the state. Something that gives warnings about do not act. Right. And we have that now. Like when you go to an MIAA event at the beginning of the game, if if people are listening, you have the announcement. You have the announcement yes. saying that the sports officials and the players are do ultra respect pretty yep. much. And then, uh, but how many people actually listen to that? Because as soon as that goes off, oh my god, worst call I've ever seen. Yeah. And there you go, we're down that that rabbit hole. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with even administrators or police. They kind of sometimes they'll turn that blind eye and just kind of okay, we don't want an issue, but instead of going, hey, you, enough, or you're going. Next time you open up your mouth, you're going. It's almost embarrassing for that person to be recognized in front of a hundred people that I'm the jackass yelling, and then you think, God, it's gotten to the point where the administrator's going to throw me out of this game. Yeah, but they should be doing that. There's hundreds of thousands of videos out there. With I mean, you can look all day on YouTube, as you guys know, and and find some some video of some parent being a being an idiot. You know what I mean? And, and that's all I can say. And you know, sometimes sometimes it's the umpires too. Like I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm I'm not sitting here saying that. Listen, um, all the parents suck. I'm right. not saying that at all. I mean, there's there's some umpires out there that'd be more than willing to engage and make themselves look like idiots. So, um, I just think that it's a kind of behavior that needs to stop, and it needs to do, it needs to stop now. Right, I, and I think having this there, like we have a lot of conversations with new umpires when we talk about how to engage fans and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I always I always held the belief that when the umpire says, "Well, I, I don't hear the fans." 
I don't think that's true. I think you hear the fans, but don't know what to do about it. And I think having protection like this for that umpire, having that that trump card pretty much saying, listen, I don't feel safe right now. Now there's got to be a step. So now a phone call can be made, and now we have some some litigation to protect that umpire. I would, I would probably have a tattoo to the umpire's back so people behind the backstop can read it. Maybe we can put it on the balloons when we're working, I, flip it out. Yeah. I would also suggest for any umpires just starting, and I hope you still do this, you assign it with more of a veteran guy who knows yeah. how to oh, deal yeah. with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But have those young guys watch your partner. Watch what he does. Right. Watch the way he handles That's how things. I learned. Yeah. And, and take all that in. And then don't ever be afraid to get a little post-game critique. Yeah. Because not everybody's perfect. No. And even a guy who's been a 30-year umpire, he's not perfect either. I used to love working, but listen with, to him. New, I used to love working with new guys because I figured they knew the rules better than I did because yeah. they just come out of class. So right. I would always defer to them. What do you well, got? Which is great because they always look at you and say, no matter what, you've always got one more game on them. Yeah. So they're looking for that... Yeah, you know that well, ability to still, kind of relate to like, each other. You know, I've been doing this for thirty-four years. I'm still looking for the perfect game. I yeah. get to have it. Yeah. Maybe next one. Who knows? There's never something. That I, there's there's never been a day that goes by that I haven't learned something new yeah. when, it, when it comes to baseball. You know, things that I didn't know. Or never claimed to know it all. Um, honestly, it's 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 like I said, and, and going back to what I said originally, and I I don't want to repeat myself, but. Many relationships, many friendships have been forged through this craft that we do, and it's and it's kind of fun. You know what I mean? So, and I remember, I was actually I learned how to argue, or how to at least listen and diffuse a situation. One guy, you already two guys, we already talked about. You mentioned Nixon Belly and Curly Clement. Curly Clement was was just the best of being able to defuse the situation because yes, he was known as a candy man yes always had candy in his pocket somebody wants to come out and scream scream curly what's that hold on one second reach in what's your choice of candy yeah and he would have that coach take a piece of candy and by the time he's done okay what do you got he's like nah shit i, I got nothing <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll leave yeah but he always did that with the yeah. candy but you know and even nick was always like listen what do you think is going to happen if you jar back, get in their face, you incite more? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You incite way more than is necessary. So the whole videotapes of, you know, Ken Kaiser and the rest of those guys back in the 70s used to get like nose to nose. Earl Weaver. Anything Earl, but Earl All these Weaver. guys. That was all show great. It but was. you know what? That doesn't work now. No. It does not work. That was ninety seven the strike. Remember ninety seven yeah. auto demo guys left. I can remember I can remember uh, ejecting a coach and of course like at call at the college level it's like an immediate phone call to to the commissioner or the assigner at that time was Nick. So it was you know, I had a legitimate right to, to throw the coach out. Yeah. But the reason I threw the coach out is because I had one more word to say. And 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 Nick turned around and said, Dom, why is it always that you have to have the last word? And I go, yeah, yeah, you're right. Why? You know, I could have saved the coach not having to throw him out and not having to deal with a whole bunch of paperwork. You know what I mean? So um, I learned from that so sort of. I mean, I didn't take it to, to, to rest with me, but uh, I tried to think about that and try not to get the last word all the time. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, speaking of last words, we're coming up on almost the last word. This has gone by pretty quick. Mm. Joey, what do you got? Um, so obviously with technology nowadays, it's running rampant, going very fast. Um, 
What do you have to say about the AI officiating? They people are wanting to do it by like next year in the MLB. How they have that square box and officiating due to that. Hey, we do it in tennis. I have no issues with it, but I, I, I think it's going to be hard to tell Canton Little League that they have to put up AI officiating in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't you think that's going to fly. That's, that's not going to fly. But, <laughs> but, I, but what I will say is, I love I love the game. Paul knows how much I love this. Mm-hmm. Game. I'm a traditionalist when it comes mm-hmm. to like AI technology. Listen, I, I I I sign on to all of the stuff that we need to sign on to in terms of training umpires and things like that. But I don't sign on to making his job more difficult and you know part of part of the game of umpiring is is making the human errors or in our own rights we've speeded up the game in certain set in certain ways because of how we call a game so those things would be taken away and um you know you, you think we having problems out with game times if we have to call the strike zone the way it's wanted to be called we, we could be here four or five hours i wonder if you anyone know. has ever asked greg maddox how he feels about uh strong strike maddox zones was, on the yeah. line no, i wonder he, what his opinion he, he, he lived he had a career <laughs> on living on the line you know what i mean so yeah honestly well i think um i think we're getting to the end here oh wow well you know so i i i, I did bring something with me mm-hmm. today not just your baseball wisdom no, and knowledge. No, 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 no. I want. I don't know who to. So who was who was like the starter of this? Well, let's give it to Joey. Joey is Joey, the uh, Joey is mastermind the behind our podcast. I don't want to take the credit, but I but will. you will. All right, so, so this is my gift to you guys for having us on. I this hope is you, crazy. I hope you display that is so good. Nice. Yeah, we will. I'll put a closer picture up yeah. so you get to see it, it in so depth. Good. But yeah. but those are, these are all one of a kind types of things, Paul. I don't mass produce these. These are like. Hey, can you make me this? You know, I did your cornhole yep. bullets. Um, mm. I can do. I can try to do anything, but um, folks, you're gonna see, you're gonna see this uh, on our on the podcast. For those who are just not listening on the radio, you're gonna see this on the video. Oh, yeah. uh, we're gonna post the DMD wood designs for some of the best, most unique, custom made woodwork, and anything from signs to to to. to uh, Cutting boards to cornhole boards. Let me just say this. Let me just. I am a one man band here. <laughs> you have a lot of subscribers, and yeah. I appreciate all the support. These are one of a kind types of things. Um, I just do them as they come. So if even the one behind you, Joey. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then there's the there's the the block right there. I mean, it's just beautiful. Bruins logo, Patriots. I think when he's done too, it's like Grandma's cookies. A little bit of TLC on each one. Yeah, we yeah. sprinkle a little yeah. secret know, ingredient. We, we sprinkle a little fairy dust on it somewhere. <laughs> really, really nicely done. Well, that's for you. And there's a little note on on the back, handwritten mm-hmm. from me. We won't divulge that because that's that's from the heart. People yeah, think that I don't have a heart, but I do. Well, thank you. We'll thank you very on, much. We we'll put that on the background. Appreciate everything. Podcast. Appreciate you, coming in here and joining I, us. Thanks for having us. I thank you for having us, and yeah. this has been great because. Uh, Thought I was gonna be nervous, but it's like it's like sitting in someone's basement. We try to make it comfortable. It is just yeah, it, yeah. it is it is just like sitting in someone's basement, and we want to make it comfortable for people. We have that way of making it comfortable. It's amazing how yeah. you do it, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. It is it is something. Yeah. Uh, Mark, thanks for coming in and joining oh, us and, and, ta- and really talking about this bill again. Um, this bill will probably be revised and amended six, seven, eight, maybe a dozen times over. But it's the start. And folks who are watching, if you're not a game official, please, you got to back off. You got to think about what you're doing. Think about even your kid watching you act like a moron 
up in the stands. Right. That is thing. something that really just drives me up a wall. One last thing. I've been told that we need 80 co-sponsors onto this bill. So 80. 80. Because that will show uh, overwhelming, overwhelming support for this. So I ask, if you live in the state of Massachusetts and you believe in this as much as I do, right. just reach out to your state senator, state rep, and just ask them to co-sponsor yeah. this bill because it's really important. We'll be out of committee soon, I hope. Yeah, hopefully, see what happens. Hopefully. And, and, and just two guys that can, cha can make a change. I just hope that after people watch this that we can sign on to it and get this thing rolling. You know, That'll you know, be great. Last word to Mario right there, just to let you know. <laughs> You'd make Nick proud. you got to get the last word, and that's good. But you know what? I get the last word on this one. <laughs> we, we do have hundred and sixty over 160,000 followers on TikTok, so I'll make that a clip, and then I'll produce that and show that out to everybody. So, yeah, if you live in Mass, please. Please do. Folks, Thanks. this is important. We know you contact your uh, state representative for many other things. Please do so on this one and force them to get in there, at least have that discussion, start amending the bill, whichever is deemed right, the way to get this so it's passed. Um, I wish you all the very best. Good luck thank in you. your seasons, and thank, you for, uh, thank you for coming in. Right, With that, you. guys, we're out. In the words of RG, ciao for now. <laughs> <laughs>